Hello and welcome to episode 497 of Ferg on the Freak. I'm that bloke from Rugby League Project, Andrew Ferguson. You can find me on Twitter at AndrewRLP, or probably in a box of Kleenex at the moment. And uh, for all different reasons, joining me also with a box of Kleenex at the moment is League Freak. You can also find on Twitter at League Freak. How you going there, mate? Uh, I I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> um, well, I... look, for, the, for those who are probably unaware, this is literally about half an hour after the uh, NRL Grand Final for 2023 has just finished, and Penrith have raced away to a convincing two-point win <laughs> um, after Nathan Cleary just decided, you know, well, we better score a try here with about three minutes to go, and so he just went and did it. God damn, I can't believe it. Um, I've just picked up my T-shirt. I, I took my T-shirt off. First of all, I want people to know, I, I messaged Andrew when we were down 24 points to eight, and I said, are you Correct. good to go for a podcast tonight? And he was yeah. like, because yeah, I've always felt like it's important that to front up when when you lose and to, to lose, and it sounds cliche, but lose like a man, you know? Cock yeah. So I've said on this podcast before, sometimes you've got to eat the shit sandwich. And I, I think that sometimes I want um, our listeners to hear me chew. <laughs> um, yeah. They're probably sick of hearing me gnawing through shit sandwiches every week. <laughs> you got to stop sadly, eating. they don't get to hear you chew on any too often. You've got to stop ordering them footlongs, Andrew. Fuck. <laughs> and I'm, I'm going for those 350 kilometre long fuckers. I'm here for a fucking feast and I'm here for a long time. Um, <laughs> So, so I messaged you when we were down. Um, I've I've just picked up my t-shirt, which come off at about the seventieth minute. So this is when you started hulking up. Well, it, it's it's wet from <laughs> snot and tears. <laughs> I'm not even joking. I've just picked it up and I'm like, it's fucking wet. Um, that I I I can't believe that. Uh, and I don't know what to say about it because I'd. I'd accepted, I'd accepted it. I'd accepted the loss, and I thought the Broncos played amazing. I think that that's one of the best performances I've ever seen the Broncos play ever. You know, um, and their young stars really stood up. Ezra Mam was just I tore the game open. Three tries that when they Penrith started off the game perfectly. All the possession, all the field position. The Broncos were making uh, mistakes, but they the Panthers didn't put enough points on the board, and I tweeted about it, and it made me uncomfortable. And the Broncos got back into the game at halftime, so it was eight points to six at halftime. And then uh, after halftime, just tore the game apart. Twenty-four unanswered points, I think it was, wasn't it? Yeah, oh no, it was eighteen. Yeah. Well, um... No, just just before just no, before half time, they scored yeah, all twenty four yeah. of their points. Yeah, yeah, and they scored them all in the space of sixteen minutes. Yeah, and um, that, that, it, that, so were you thinking after the that third try that Mam scored, were you thinking that that was it? The Penrith were cooked and they were, they had no chance. Yes, because question. I'll I'll tell you what I'm thinking because Ezra Mam scored that third try in the fifty fourth minute, huh? precisely on the fifty not sixtieth minute. Yeah, because I was watching with my wife, and I said to her, "I think Brisbane have taken their foot off just a little bit, and yeah. Penrith have sensed it." And literally two or three minutes later, Leota scored, and I was like, 
it's coming. And I not for one minute did I think that Penrith were out of it. And I said, really? so uh, they've got, only, <laughs> this is crazy, they're only down by three tries. Because yeah. you know, as well as the rest of us do, that Penrith can score tries in bunches. Yeah. Broncos are the only other team that can do it as frequently as Penrith does. The only thing I was holding on to was that Storm game where they were down 14-0. And, I mean, that game looked over. And, and yeah. uh, the the contrast, the, the Storm looked like they were going to score 60 that day. And the contrast between them and where Penrith looked, Penrith looked like they were just going to get annihilated in that game. And I, that first, and it was a split second, I thought, Man, it'd be cool if they did something like they did in that game against the Storm. Now, I don't think they did quite what they did against the Storm. What they did against the Storm was, like, supernatural, you know? Mm. What they did in this game was just, uh, like, it's hard to even say they hung in there. They didn't. It was 24 to 8, you know? and They just found that other gear. They've always got that other gear. It's always there. Um, The thing... The thing that got me about Brisbane in the second half yeah. was they went to Mam very early, yes. several occasions on that left side, yeah. and didn't give him any ball players. He just said, I've just, you've just got to have a line runners around you. Yeah. It's like, you know, do what you want. And it's almost like Penrith thought he needs that extra ball player around. There. He needs Reynolds near him to help him out. And so they didn't man up properly on him. They gave him a bit of width, and that kid is so fucking fast off three steps that he got through that line three fucking times Mm. before Penrith went, yeah, okay, you know what, we're going to put an extra defender over there just to shut him down. The other thing the Broncos did, which I thought was a mistake tactically, Mm. was in the second half, they didn't have um, Haas and Carrigan on at the same time. Mm -hmm. They replaced one with the other. Mm-hmm. And that was a problem because it meant you they really needed both those big guys in the middle for the a good chunk of that last twenty to twenty five minutes of that game. Yeah. I mean they could have, they could have gone without either of them twenty minutes or fifteen minutes either side of half half time if they needed to. Yeah. But they need him for the end. And they were making one replace the other and I thought that was that felt like a bad idea to me. I don't, it didn't cost them the game, but it felt like a bad idea. Like, that would have given that little bit of X-factor oomph that was probably needed to maybe settle that Penrith surge. Yeah, and, and I mean, Haas was immense. If he had if won the Clive Churchill medal in the losing side, I wouldn't have been um, upset. I thought Carrigan was immense, and the, the same thing. Um, Leota, from about the 60th minute on, become the flail of God, as I've been calling him, <laughs> which is what Genghis Khan called himself just before he destroyed Baghdad. And everyone knows I love the history of the Khans. And yes, that's right. he, he become the punishment of God for the last, like, 20 minutes of that match. Um, and, and, like, the reason I wanted to talk to you tonight, and for those that don't know, I called Andrew up about five minutes after halftime. Andrew has heard me bawling my eyes out and, and like literally like bawling, sobbing, sobbing. Yeah. Do, do you remember my, my response, um, the heartfelt response I gave? 
Who did you say? I said, are you crying like a bitch? Yeah. <laughs> I was. I was. I was crying like a bitch. Um, and, and like, <laughs> what? when we scored the first try to get back into it, I was like, it makes it, they, and it, I think that gets them within 10 points, right? And I was all up, you know what I was thinking? It makes it respectable. Um, you know, no one will look at the scoreline in the history books and say, wow, they got flogged because we were getting flogged and it made it respectable against a great, great Broncos team. And I was talking about it through the, you can go and look at my tweets about how good the Broncos were playing and leading up to the game. Like I just, I love the Broncos. I think everything they've done, especially over the last month or so has been immense and they've grown to a different level as a club. It's been incredible to see. Um, and then we, so we got within 10 and I was like, this is respectable. And then when we scored again, um, and I believe that was the, the try that, um, Cleary, was that where Cleary broke through or was that? No, the, that was the Crichton try right, on the edge. That's right. Uh, I, I fell to my knees and I said, this can't be happening. <laughs> I, I, this can't be real. And I'm, when I say I said it, I cried it very loudly through tears and um i think i took took my t-shirt off at that point <laughs> I, I didn't sit down through the entire game and then uh when when cleary made that break oh no when cleary um because cog had come on and uh and luai was off his shoulders done yeah gonna need a reconstruction and the poor guy, you could see the disappointment in his face. I still think it didn't hit him after they were getting their rings, hey? Um, and then when they started celebrating with the trophy, I think it sort of it hit him then that he's – it's okay, they won. Yeah. Um, and Jack Cogger come on, and honestly, it changed the game a bit. And it's not that Luai wasn't playing very well. It was just a different look. And Cogger couldn't have done – any better he just put in some footwork was playmaking and stuff like that and it just gave Penrith an extra point of attack and Cleary worked off the back of that and when Cleary went through I turned away from the TV put my head down on the floor against the wall and was sobbing um and, and was like this can't I was saying this can't be happening um, and, and just, I cried for 20 minutes and I've never cried like that. And I said, I think I said in the podcast in the last episode, the only game I ever cried for was the storm when we beat the storm finally in the finals in 2021 in the, I think it was the second week. Um, I've never felt like this. I, I, in 2003, I thought I was going to die during the grand final. <laughs> I, if, I still might die tonight if well. I, you still got, I, you, I mean, you've only got 90 minutes to go, so you could probably just go and watch the replay. Look, if I die tonight, it was all worth it. <laughs> um, to You and me love our rugby league history. And uh, to, to read about it and read about all these great teams that have done great things and to know that Penrith were going in with a chance of it and it, it slipped out of their fingers... And then they fought back and they got it. Uh, 
man, it's and and like Andrew, that for the whole history of the rest of the game, this team's going to stand out, even though it's just a forty-year gap between them and the Eels. They're going to stand out, even if they all retire tonight. <laughs> Well, I think they go above that, man, because, you know, it's, it's four straight grand finals for and three straight wins. Yeah. It's also, there's only one team that's won more consecutive finals games in a row, and it's that Dragons team that won 11 straight premierships. Yeah. That's now the company they're in. Like, yeah. we haven't seen, the last time we saw teams making four straight grand finals was in the pre-salary salary cap days. Mm-hmm. And I'm talking, like, South in the late 60s, early 70s, Obviously, the dragon side. South in the early 50s, um, Balmain in the 40s, East in the 30s, South throughout the 20s. You know, a time when teams were not equal. Yeah. And people need to get that in their head that this is – that's why it's so much harder to do now because the the, level, the playing field is far more level now than what it ever used to be. Um. So this is insane. But, yeah, I must admit, I I didn't at once think that Brisbane had this wrapped up. And you know what the weird thing is? The reason why was that yeah. fucking penalty goal that Cleary kicked in the 30th minute. Because that kept them. Yeah. Not just not – just, it kept them to a point where if they scored three converted tries, yeah. they were in front. Yeah. I know this is basic maths, but yeah. that's – that plays into the back of the minds of both sides. And I think Brisbane was still constantly trying to find one more score. Mm-hmm. Didn't matter what it was, a penalty goal or a try, they needed that one more to be safe. And I don't know, there's a few little things that they did. The the short dropouts were a fucking debacle for them tonight. It was their only oh. their only debacle for the Broncos was those short dropouts. They should have just sent one of them fucking long. Yeah. Uh, when and the way I would put it is I wanted him to kick them short dropouts. And, and uh, I always think don't do what you want your opposition to do, you know? Yeah. Um. And and that one where Cleary got it just uh, – he just got his foot down as the ball went over the sideline, so it was <laughs> another penalty from in front. And it was like that's the thing about Cleary. Like it's – he just does things that are right. He he's, he was born with a uh, rugby league rule book ingrained into his DNA. <laughs> yeah, and <laughs> like as soon as that happened, it was like, ooh, you know, um, and like Crichton just fizzed alive at one point and was just like, like there's not many big game players as a centre. It's it's like I'm trying to like the ones that jump out at me, it's like Crichton, uh, Greg Inglis and like Mal Meninga. <laughs> maybe Renoff, maybe like Dean Collis. Hey? hey? Dean Collis. Dean Collis. <laughs> Blake Ashford. <laughs> I mean I can go on. Yeah, yeah. 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 I get you. You're not wrong. <laughs> I'm, I'm trying to get my team into the conversation, even though they don't deserve to be there. I was thinking, like, like this time last year, Luke Garner and fucking Peachy, 
They'd been on holiday for five weeks. <laughs> Luke Garner was on his flight home after a month off. Yeah. <laughs> I want the grand final still on. <laughs> I'm surprised uh, he still turned up to play this game. He would have gone, man, my body is not used to this. <laughs> like, isn't that the cricket season? What the fuck? <laughs> um, yeah. The first test hasn't been played yet. <laughs> um, I just, I don't know what to say. I, the last 10 minutes was a blur. Um, I, de- I did. I spent many of the last 10 minutes crying face down on the either the ground or on the couch. Uh, my poor dog thinks I'm crazy now, and she's probably right. Um, it's okay. And, she just needs to be reassured that she'll still get fed. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. She'll get fed, but... I only had two beers all night, like two stubbies of VB. Like, it's not even like I'm drunk. Um, I just don't know. I don't, I can't believe what just happened. And it's, uh, I, I just can't believe it. I don't know what to say. But I wanted to, to be on the podcast. And, and I, as I said to you, I messaged you when we were getting flogged because I thought it was important and that it's turned into this. I hope I'm not being obnoxious to anyone. I thought that I thought Brisbane were amazing. Fuck, they were good. They they battled through injuries. I thought Reynolds was gone in the first half. I was worried at one point. Uh, Reese Walsh had hurt his Achilles in the first. Yeah, half. It looked like one of his teammates trod on his foot. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> um, that that knock that uh, Reynolds got to his hip that looked. I'm surprised he stayed on the field because that looked. Fucking hard. Yeah. Um, he he like walked it off. Yeah. Uh, he did. He had a. I don't say Reynolds had a bit of a mixed game. Mm-hmm. Um, Walsh took a lot longer than I thought to get involved in the game, but I think that was because um, Brisbane were. They were just playing very straight and not much movement sideways um, to their attack in the first half. They were just trying to win the contest in the middle, which, um, look, it's a noble cause against yeah. such a good defensive side, but it's not the platform you need to to lay to beat Penrith. Well, even to be com- competitive against Penrith. <coughs> Excuse me. Against Penrith, you need to kind of target those channels just on the edge of the ruck. Yeah, and try and break their defence into two separate units, and yeah. then try and find the space in the middle, which is where Reese Walsh would be absolutely brilliant because you you challenge on the sides, and then Walsh just comes back through the middle, and like he, like he was doing last week, um, he started to probe looking for those spots, but yeah. it was more on the edge of the ruck. Um, but yeah, I think the one thing Brisbane really good at is it's almost like it was a. Uh, a specific strategy just for this game was to put Mam almost isolated on the left. Yeah. With the instruction of run first, pass later. Yeah. And that was a great idea. I don't know who came up with that was a brilliant idea because he was he was electric. He really was. And, and like I mean he was the Clive Churchill medalist at this what, the sixty fifth minute or whatever it was. Um because he just tore the game open. If he had have still won it, I wouldn't have been, I wouldn't have been dirty on it. You know, it. They played great. They, I mean, they were punching holes in our pack. Um, they dominated our forwards in the first half. I felt, and that just doesn't happen. Haas was immense. 
he was a, like a, a man amongst boys out there and Carrigan was running off the back of that and was just a monster. And, um, I mean, Billy Walters in that first half was amazing at a dummy half. That first 40-20 kicked was just like this huge pressure relief for the Broncos. And, um, like, they they thoroughly deserve – you scored 20 – how many teams have scored 24 points in a grand final lost? Like, it's got to be, like, two or three maybe. Like, the, I think – who would have done it? Like, did the Dragons score 24 in uh, 99? 24, 22. I'm just – I don't know. I don't know. I'm just thinking of teams that have – like that's a game-winning amount of points in a grand final, is is what I'm thinking, you know. Absolutely, most teams don't get there. I mean, well, Penrith scored twenty against Melbourne in 2020. Yeah. Um. Is here. It's not a common thing for either side really to get to the twenties. Yeah. Yeah. Um. Already. Um, let's see. Parramatta, when they lost in 2001 to Newcastle, that was 30 to 24. Yeah, damn. That was kind of a similar sort of game. Hey, like they got out to a bit of a lead and then Newcastle sort of steamrolled home. I think the difference there, though, is that uh, Penrith choked, uh, sorry, Parramatta choked epically. Yeah, yeah. And they should have won that comfortably. Yeah, like I can't look at the Broncos and think like there are things, as you say, like maybe instead of going for the sidelines from dropouts going long, but it's just, not just like, once, just once they needed to do yeah. it, it would have been fine. Um, but it wasn't like the Broncos fell apart. No, God, no. It, it, I can't believe it. Holy shit. It, they didn't leave anything on the table. That, that's for sure. They didn't. They They threw everything at Penrith. Yeah. And Penrith were struggling to come up with an answer for quite a while there. Yeah. Yeah, they really were. Um, and and I, 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 like the the Broncos will be back. I have no doubt the Broncos will be back next year because they, um, they'll learn so much from that. Mm. And like the, the talent is there. Um, they've obviously got the coach. Remember when we weren't sure about Kevin Walters? <laughs> Well, he's, he seemed a bit fragile early on. You know, he's, <laughs> he's getting a bit sooky about things not working out. So he's like, oh, man, come on. And then he started coaching. <laughs> yeah, hard up. Um, like they, so they're going to be back. I wouldn't be shocked if they win it next year because it's like they just got a real big lesson and it's not even like – I mean, they'll be sitting in the sheds right now and they, they'll be like, we played – Fucking well, what the hell just happened? And for this Penrith team to have done something like they'd already done so many special things for them to do that as well, it, it I just it's mind blowing. I I I can't. I've got no words for it. Hey, and well, the thing is, okay, um, and I'm going to get into a bit of stats here, uh-huh. but the one thing that's worth noting is. And if we're going to be a little bit honest here, mm-hmm. this wasn't this wasn't the ideal Penrith side because you had Luai injured and he played for fifty minutes. Yeah. Um, 
Yo, missed the last 12, 30 minutes of the game. Um, that doesn't help. Uh, Ta- Tungo missed the last seven or eight minutes, I think. Oh, no, it was earlier in the game. But he, he, he wasn't there for the whole game either. He missed a bit of time. <laughs> the Luai issue, that impacts their game plan entirely from what they've been doing all year prior. Yeah. So they've had to change their style for one game, which just happens to be the most important game of the fucking year. Yeah. To make sure that they still get something out of out of uh, Luai, mm-hmm. but don't have him overexposed so he doesn't get, you know, further injured. Mm-hmm. And then still have to take him off the field shortly after half time because mm-hmm. you just know if he stays on any longer, he's going to be targeted even further. So that's pretty impressive what they went on with there. Um, Dylan Edwards, oh. two, 296 fucking metres. <laughs> he had 170 in the first half. Yeah. It was insane. He was, he was what Brian Toto had been for the last several years for Penrith, and that was he was getting their sets off to the best start possible. Yeah, yeah. And it was because the Broncos were just not giving the – they weren't kicking the ball anywhere near to O at all. Yeah. They kept it away from him cleverly. To O only made 167 metres. <laughs> only. <laughs> yeah, only. He's insane. <laughs> He's on another level, this bloke. Um, but when I say only, Cleary made 162. That's heaps. Yeah. Um. You look at Leota, 148 metres. Fisher-Harris, 153. Yo, 134. These guys are usually punching 150, close to 200 every week. Mm. Cleary was obviously on a mission to try and be the ball runner that Lua usually is. And he, to allow Lua to sit back a little bit. Yeah, and, and like when the when the game looked like it was gone, Cleary... Uh, he was like, and there was a bunch of them. I mean, obviously Crichton was another one, but but Cleary as well was like, okay, I got to do something, and he did. And like, there's, I know that, you know, we talk about the the great, and we did in the last episode, the great halfbacks, and they they tick the boxes. What have they done? Uh, can they go and do the next thing? Can they do the next thing? One of the knocks on Cleary, I've seen some people say, and I think it's crazy, is that he's, you know, you hear things like, well, they're front runners. And that's fair enough. They have been front runners in most of the games they've played. So I get that that argument. How do they go when they're coming from behind? How do they go when things haven't gone their way? You know, how do they, you know, can they come back in a game? And no one will ever say that again about Cleary. No, no one will ever say about him, well, how's he playing the big game, so? Like, that's over. That's finished. It needs to be. Yeah. Too many people have questioned that. Um, to be honest, that, that last run to the try line, oh. he, he made that decision before the gap appeared, before he received the ball. Because yeah. you could see he was going out to the, to the left mm. and he was moving left. And then just as the defensive line set, he stopped yeah. moving left and he received the ball almost flat-footed and ran straight back in across the grain. Um, I was screaming. And I was, I was, well, the first thing I was thinking was, <coughs> 
excuse me, he was his plan was to come back in against the green, get that defense in close in the middle. Yeah. And even if he was the one to take that take that tackle, yeah, he just needed two good passes, one side, didn't matter which way it was, left or right, but two good passes to get the ball out wide yeah. because they'd be short for numbers out there. Yeah. And I think as he got the ball, that was his idea. And then when he completely beat that first defense, uh, defer, defender, I think it was Walsh. No, Walsh was the second one. I can't remember <laughs> the first one was. I can't remember it because, as I said, I was I was literally. Yeah, I'm, I'm trying. I'm trying to carry the the technical part for you because you were obviously uh, in an emotional state. Yeah, power <laughs> through. Like, did Walsh get a, a a half shot on his thigh and, and clearly sort of powered through it? Yeah, Walsh. Walsh was expecting a pass to go out wide. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. he'd already overrun Cleary, but he was the second line of defence. Yeah. So when Cleary stopped moving. Walsh also stopped, but it meant that they were by the time Cleary got the ball, he was already two steps ahead of Walsh. Yeah. So Walsh had no chance of getting to him. I can't remember who the defender was in front of Cleary though that got okay. beat. It might have been Reynolds. Because I, because I, <coughs> I mean, I, like I, I don't know who the Broncos players were that he beat, but in in my head it was like because I saw that gap open up. And like we've talked about what a good ball runner he is, just as a player, forget about a halfback and. It so and it looked like Sydney heads to me, you know. Well, when the he, crazy thing was is that in the last ten minutes, yeah, like the Brisbane defence did insanely good at running up on him and shutting yeah. him down. Yeah, and they must have thought we've done that three times in a row and it stopped their attack straight away. Like they lost twenty meters on one set play. Yeah, yeah. And they must have thought we've we've made our point clear. He's going to play early now. And the one time they hold back and don't continue rushing up, he goes, my turn. I, di- I didn't even see him put the ball down, honey. He beat that defender, beat Walsh clearly. Yeah. And scored, and I just went, this guy is just... And and this whole team, it, it's got his sort of emotion to it. Mm. They are so patient. Mm-hmm. They are so calm under pressure. They are. Huh? <laughs> I was talking to a mate of mine who doesn't. He's not a rugby league follower. Yeah. He he watches some of the big games. But I was saying to him after the game, I said, I don't, I can't think of another team that is as patient and calm under pressure in any sport, other than perhaps that Australian one day team of the late nineties with Michael Bevan in there. Yeah, I, I you know. That te- that's a really good example. The only other one I would think of is like we've had Australian rugby league teams, and I'm more thinking the 90s and maybe early noughties. <clears throat> they sort of lockier led Australian rugby league teams where they just knew that they knew that they had the winning pedigree, and they they it was like everything was all right because they knew they could get the job done, and they were going to get the job done. Yeah, it was almost like they didn't know how to lose. Yeah, yeah. And look, this Panthers, <coughs> there was a blow-up at one point in the game, and it was Flegler. <coughs> oh, man. And look, the I can't fault him for freaking out because I was freaking out way <laughs> more in my lounge room, right? <laughs> and, like, he freaked out over – it was Walsh getting tackled in goal. And – 
Yeah, there was a, there was some accidental knees because Walsh yeah. went straight to ground, obviously to stop being pushed into the zoning goal. But mm-hmm. as he's done that, the Panthers defender coming through has tried to get down before he got to him, but he's dropped his knees on Walsh. Mm-hmm. Um, might have been in his uh, side, yeah, and one up near his shoulder, and, and then Crichton came through with a, you know, obviously pushing t- pushing him back into the end goal. Yeah. And then but there was there was nothing illegal in it, obviously. No, no. And then Flegler blew up about it, and that they all started grabbing these Panthers players. And like teams have done this a lot with the Panthers, and the none of the Panthers ever give a fuck. They they don't. The only one I've ever seen give a fuck is Spencer Lenu, where everyone panicked when everyone panics when <laughs> gets in. And, and remember that. I don't know if people remember, there was a game against South, I think it was a semi-final, and he got hit with a really bad high tackle, and it was a send-off high tackle. And when Spencer Lenu come back too, he was really fucking angry as he was leaving the field. <laughs> and the trainers freaked out and were, were like, horrified that Spencer was looking for this fucking guy as he's going to the sideline with a head knock, you know? <laughs> um, and that's the only time I've ever seen any of them really have any sort of reaction. Like there was one point where there was a bit of a coming together and like someone was grabbing Moses Leota around his eyes. I saw that and I thought that's getting dangerous. And they had two cracks at him. Yeah. And he sort of looked around as if to be like, what the fuck are you doing? You know? Yeah. I'll tell you what, of all the people to go for the eyes of, I'm leaving Leota, Fisher Harris, Liam Martin, Spencer Lin I'm leaving all those guys alone. You know, I'll tie their shoelaces. Sorry, fellas. Wasn't Don't, after you guys. I'll just leave you be. Leave the eyeballs alone when I'm calling the guy the flail of God. <laughs> like, <laughs> it, it, like, and man, I tell you what, it, like, we think of him as like a, a fucking powerful front rower. That guy backs up. And I can hear, I can hear people celebrating. It's fucking amazing. It, I like, can hear him. Can you? Oh, that's yeah. cool. He, he uh, it, like he backs up really well for a dude that, if you looked at him, you would say like he's he's built like a brick shit house. <laughs> he's not the sort of dude you would think backs up. And when Cleary got him that ball, I was like, he's gonna score. And when he didn't put the ball down immediately, I was like, Jesus. Fuck, <laughs> you know. Um, I love that dude. Like, I, I, I fucking love that dude. <laughs> I mean, it's a, it's a remarkable team. I've got to ask you now, though. Yeah. Which is the best of the three Panthers sides that have won premierships in the last three years? In terms of, not not which one feels better, but which is the best team? Yeah. Of those three years, which one's the best in your view? I think it, oh man, I think it is maybe last year's team. Yeah, I'm, I'm thinking last year's one as well. Yeah, and I'll tell you why. Um, I think you add kick out to this team. Just add kick out to this and, team. Well, also chorus out. Yeah, well, yeah, but that too, that too. Um, but just because uh, I was thinking about this during the game, because I was like, where. Where did it go wrong? <laughs> I was thinking, well, they lost kick out, and he was the main one on, on my mind. And I was thinking if they had his, the wrinkles that he had, forget about the fact he turned into a monster defender. Yeah, the wrinkles that he had, 
adds to the, a team in attack. I was like, maybe that's where they were missing something. So I would say last year, and I would say last year in a way that there was that, that team had experience and it had size and it had all those wrinkles in attack. And, you know, course you had Coruscant and, and, and kick out to it. And I mean, we saw what they did against, against the eels. That was a, a demolition job. Um, I, I think that this team is, it's a little bit not as good in attack, but at the same time, like, I think their experience um, helps their attack, but I think that in pure out and out attack, they're probably not the same. No. Um, and I think I'm, that, sorry. I was going to say, the one thing that's um, just dawned on me too is what's going to happen to the Panthers' left edge next year? Because they, they lost kick out for this year. They're going to use lose Crichton for next year. Yeah, May May needs to turn out pretty fucking good. Yeah, either because I mean it's going to be Luai parked out there. Yeah. If yeah, if those juniors don't come along, I mean you might end up with Garner at centre. Not that's a bad thing. Yeah. Because he's going to be defensively good enough, but he's not going to have that speed. Oh yeah, that, look, that I think got. May May showed a lot in the time that he did play last year, because he hasn't played this year. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, and he showed enough last year that it looked like he was going to be our centre and, and, or, or at least a, a winger that could play centres if needed. And when we lost him, we lost some depth, you know, and that's where Taruva was brought into the side. He's been magnificent, you know, in our rookie of the year. Um, we will need, if we're going to keep going, we're going to need some of our juniors to come through and, and maybe add a little bit punch up up front or on the edges more than anything. Um, and and that's where, because our, our juniors, and you can see with how we played in the lower grades this year, it wasn't like last year where we won or everything except one trophy. And I think that was under 16th or 15th or something. It wasn't like that this year. And so the lower grades have been decimated a little bit, and that's okay. That's what happens when you're at a club like Penrith, that other teams come in and look for your talent, and that's that's it. That's fine. But I think that they do need some players to come through and, and do a little bit for them. If they're going to be this side, at the very worst, I think they're like a top four good luck beating them just on experience team, you know? I think that's their basement. That's I think that's fair. Yeah. Um, what do you think? Like, do, well, had, I think what they're going to what they're going to want is one. Like you got Martin obviously on one side. You're going to need someone who's going to be a good line runner. And I think if if it's not Sorensen, it's going to be Garner, but it's uh, that's as the second rower. I think Penrith are going to need either a good ball player or someone who's fast. Yeah. So to put it into modern games perspective, either Matt Burton or Stephen Crichton or a clone of one of those two on that left edge at yeah. centre. Yeah. Um, so it's it depends on what they really want out there. I'm just trying to think who they've got in the lower grades. I mean, Jack Cole play centre and 5'8", so, I mean, he's only 20. He could probably fill in there. They had that young... Remember that uh, young... I think it was a young fullback that come in and... 
they played him in the centres and he had a real bad game. But um, and, and like he was playing out of position. I don't blame him for that. But he, when he got the ball in his hands, just the way he moved, you were like, "Ooh, this guy's got a little something extra." And he might be the sort of attacking speed star because they do. They need more speed. They're a very good defensive team, but you could see the Broncos, and the Broncos are a, an abnormally quick team. Like, you think of Staggs, Farnsworth, Walsh. Like, they're, they're all right. Combo. Yeah, yeah. Like, they're 10s in speed and acceleration. <laughs> um, but I, I the, and they, they, you saw that against them. Uh, Ezra Mam, he's another one, you know. He's lightning man. Uh, he's, I love watching him play. He's so good. He would be close to one of my favourite players to watch at the moment. Yeah, I just, I just love the the speed he's got. Man, it's it's the the time taken to go from zero to flat out. It's mm. like um, Benji Marshall when he first came on the scene. Mm-hmm. Just that explosive speed from the start. You just don't see it very often, and he's got it there. Um, he does have a good step, not a Benji step, but he's got a he's got a good step. Mm. Um, Matt, bloody skies living with him. Um, and when he got through tonight, it was like he's through. It's over. Yeah. And yeah, man, three tries in the grand final. <laughs> well, the, they revealed in the in the telecast that. He ends up breaking the record for most tries by five eighth in a season. Well, that's pretty good. With cool. nineteen, so that's another another record that Trent Barrett no longer has. <laughs> Big architect. <laughs> um, and he broke the record for most most tries by five eighth for the Broncos, which had previously been held by Wally Lewis. Oh, that's cool! Wow. Yeah. So he's had a massive season, man. Um. Mm. I would like to see Ezra Mam in the Australian squad for the end of the season. I was thinking, I was thinking that as the fucker went over for his third try, I was like, <laughs> I was like, who, who? I mean, obviously Munster, um, or, or maybe if you didn't pick Munster, and that's hard not to pick Munster, but uh, like I could see where you would fall back to maybe looking at uh, Cherry Evans and Cleary together as a halves combination because you don't lose much with either of them, but. Yeah, I was thinking about Ezra Mim as as earn, like earning his place in the Australian team. Absolutely, he's had a stunning season. Mm. Now, mm. Look, he's I think he qualifies as a as a Queenslander. Yeah, but he was born in Sydney. Oh, he's well, like he's, he's like a Sam Thide. Yeah, not that is not a Queenslander at all. You mean? Yeah, yeah, completely not Queenslander at all. Yeah, but will go and play for them anyway. Did you see before the game when they were showing the players and talking about their junior clubs and how many of the Panthers were from St. Mary's? I missed that bit, but I did see your tweet about it. Yeah, there were like, I mean, conservatively, there must be six or seven St. Mary's Saints in that side. Um, And St. Mary's Saints, uh, like, I lived in Tregear, and the next suburb over was it was kind of St Mary's, but there was it was like the back end of St Mary's, and there was the there's Ropes Creek, which like Ropes Creek, uh, like 
if AIDS was a creek, it would be Ropes Creek. It's not a place you want to be in. You fall into Ropes Creek, you need all of the shots, okay? <laughs> so there's Ropes Creek, and then the other side of Ropes Creek from Tregear is uh, St. Mary's. The, the, the... I was going to say, Ropes Creek is where they took COVID to kill it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If Ropes Creek, if you took COVID to Ropes Creek, it would come out with AIDS. Um <laughs> And I, I make no apologies for saying that. Go to Ropes Creek and go and check it out if you're wondering. Like Ropes yeah. Creek is – I used to think that creeks all had burnt-out cars in them when I was growing up, hey? That was just normal for you? I just thought it was normal. <laughs> I really <laughs> did. Um, and so the other side of that was the back end of the footy ground that St Mary's played at, which is at the back end of the Leagues Club. Yep. So for me, my local – my local club was St. Mary Saints and it's produced, I mean, so many great players over the years. I think uh guy I played for like any, anybody that's anyone that's played for Penrith has basically mostly played for St. Uh, the St. Mary Saints. So it was cool to see so many of them like with St. Mary Saints juniors, you know? Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Have you ever thought about just getting ropes Creek, that little section? And just having that as part of the West Tigers territory <laughs> just seems fitting. It would be pretty cool. They, I put it this way: Ropes Creek ran through the ammunition factory, and you you don't want any of that runoff. <laughs> None of it. You don't. Know, you don't want that. And, oh, it by doesn't the way, sound that great. And then ran into the industrial area at the at Dunheaven, like. It's just not a good creek. <laughs> uh, Ropes Creek. Yeah. Good times, good times. You need to find a postcard. Fuck yeah, fuck yeah. <laughs> I would go and take a picture of it, but it's too dangerous. <laughs> now just Google Maps. Yeah, Google Maps it. <laughs> See if the car actually went there. <laughs> but they fucking turned around too. Went, yeah. No, we'll just stay on the main road here. When I was a kid, I'd ride my bike down um, down that way. I only did it a couple of times because that end was it was sketchy, and um, yeah, just burnt out cars in there and stuff. I just thought it was normal. I thought that's what a creek was. Is that where the uh, the uncouth, underprivileged parents people came from? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> the ones that get all the lessons and can you can be anything. Yeah. <laughs> You can run this scam, you can run this crime syndicate, you can do all this sort of stuff. You don't need money, which appeals because none of us have any. I tell you what, Ropes Creek is the end game for a lot of people that <laughs> their cars just happen to be insurance jobs. I like the fact that Ropes Creek has probably got more mentions in any media anywhere in the last 10 minutes mm-hmm. and it will never get mentioned ever again. One hundred percent. Well, I will make sure I mention it because I love the place. I loved it growing up in Tregear. It was the best. Why don't they put a leagues club at Ropes Creek? Ropes Creek Leagues. <laughs> it's, it's 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 a dirty place. <laughs> <laughs> it's not good. Why <laughs> don't they put a Bunnings there? It can't be that bad. That well, they they what was? Remember there was one that tried to to um compete with Bunnings and it it opened up and then it shut down Our immediately. Masters. Yeah, they basically built that place and didn't even get to open it. I don't even know what they use it for now. They'd burn it out. (laughs) Probably. That's what I would have done. 
another it's just, got, what, it's just got burnout cars inside it. The number of insurance jobs that were done in that that Ropes Creek Dunheaved industrial area, it's got to be some sort of record. <laughs> uh, good times, good times. Yes, yes, growing up underprivileged Western Sydney lad. So um, obviously this all leads yeah. to Penrith defending their uh, world championship status. Yeah, in February. Which team do you think they're going to be absolutely destroying in the World Club Challenge next year? Uh, I, well, I, I hope that they don't go over to England because I just don't care about it. Um, and I want them to concentrate on the premiership because that, that's the one that matters. Um, and I actually watched St. Helens versus – who did they play last night? St. Helens Warrington. versus – Man, it was a bludger of a game. Yeah. It was a real bludger. I saw highlights of that game. I was like, I'm glad I don't have to watch this on a regular basis. If that's what the current, what is it, four-time winning premiership team or something like that? Um, if that's what they're turning out, that's it's the best they've got. Did you see the crowd for it? Like, they've only got a, a tiny little stadium. And it they must have only had, like, I don't know, 7,000 people there, 8,000 people there. It was really weird. And I've had... the, the official figure is... I know, I agree. I saw the crowd going, well, yeah. that doesn't look like it's very good. Yeah. The official number was 13,801. No fucking way in the world. <laughs> There's no fucking way. Um, yeah, I, I watched that game and it, it wasn't a good game. And yeah, it was, but I've had English fans tell me, like, it's really rough on them to fork out the money for their season ticket and then they don't get, like, Tickets for the finals that that costs extra, and the ticket. You know, I mean, we've talked about the ticket prices over there are outrageous. Um, so it's probably that. But I was just surprised that it wasn't packed out. It's worth noting that St Helens have currently played thirty-one games. Mm. They've got to play Catalans this weekend coming up, which mm-hmm. be the thirty-second game. They win that, they go through to the final. That's a fucking long year. Yeah, yeah. They started on February 18 against Penrith, and then the premiership started the same week, or you know, I think they got the bye in the first week because of that World Club Challenge game. Yeah. The season goes from mid-February, and it's still going. And when those players have played less, most of them. Mm. Oh, the whole thing's stupid. Anyway, It really is. I actually had somebody on my Twitter talk about uh, James Roby had paid, played like, I think it was 550 games plus. I think he's almost at, He's going to fall like one or two short of 600 from memory. And somebody said, oh, everyone should know this number. And I was like, you know what? It's not outrageous. Like, I'm pretty sure that we've looked at players that have played like 1,100 games in England, haven't we? Uh, I'm almost certain. I can't remember the official number. Um, who was it? Neil Fox? No, was dudes that played until they were in their mid forties. Was it Neil Fox? I can't remember who it was. Well, it might have been Neil Fox. Neil Fox played seven hundred and sixty games. There you That's go. just club football. Yeah, yeah. And rep football's looking at eighteen forty. Jeez, another sixty or seventy games. So he's probably got close to eight hundred and thirty games. Well, I'm fairly certain he doesn't have the most. It's crazy. I, I wish there was one dude that I feel like it was maybe an Australian, was it? Wasn't there? Um, 
Um, oh, that tri-scoring bloke. What was his name? Bevan. Brian Bevan. Yeah. I don't even think he had the record. Yeah, he, he, played, he played an outrageous number of games, I remember. But I think he played 700-odd games. Okay. Yeah, 670 games at club footy. Okay, so it was less than I was thinking. But still, I mean, it's it's outrageous. Oh, the, the number's ridiculous. I can't remember who it was now, but yeah. Um, so yeah, I suppose 550 in the modern day, though. Oh, yeah. Is, yeah, yeah. It's pretty it's, insane. Yeah, I'm not like I'm not degrading what he's done. It like it was just a, a thing of like in the like the reason that it's it's not one of those numbers we'll all remember is because like when you look at the numbers, the numbers are outrageous to begin with, you know. Okay. Jim Sullivan, that's it. How many? So he played nine hundred and twenty eight uh games. I think. Yeah. I just gotta check that. This is insane because that went around uh World War Two, uh-huh. yeah, I think he played from the twenties through to the forties. Um, unbelievable game. Played a ton of, uh, even played rugby union. Mm-hmm. Welsh, played a, Welsh played a ton of rugby footy. Yeah, Welsh player. Wells is greatest son. Yeah, his son actually played. I think for St Helens from memory. So he played 805 club games in rugby league. 774 were for Wigan from 1921 to 1946. Mm-hmm. Um, and Tess and, and stuff like that is 50, 60, about 105 more there. Wow, that's crazy. And that doesn't even include – there's another 38 guys playing rugby union in Wales before mm-hmm. – he came over across the rugby league. So he was he made great as a rugby union player at the age of sixteen, turning seventeen. Mm-hmm. Played that for a season and then went to rugby league. It's crazy. So yeah, pretty pretty insane career. Didn't he, didn't he play and then like he passed away like sixteen months after he retired? Something like that. <laughs> um no, that was a different player. What was his name? I can't remember who that was. That was a guy who played in the seventies. Okay. Another one you're thinking of. I, I forgot his name, but yeah, that was a guy in the 70s, and he, um, yeah, there was a there was a, because uh, he he went until um after he finished playing, he went on and became a coach. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, Clive Sullivan was the one who passed away. Ah, okay. Um, so he he retired in 1984 and he passed away in October 85. Wow, that's crazy, eh? Hey? Rugby league was literally keeping him alive. Yeah, yeah. Um, another another great uh, Welsh player. Welsh I mean, you just you're just rattling off great Welsh players here. Yeah, I'm feeling generous tonight, aren't I? <laughs> rugby league has softened you tonight. Yeah, it has. Man, rugby league, rugby league took me apart in pieces and then reassembled me by just smooshing me back together and then threw me against the wall and I was left a shattered mess and I I still can't believe what has happened. I I, I can't believe it, Andrew. It, like it I can't believe that my team's the one that just did all of that. Like yeah. it's not a, like anything in in you take any one bit I'd have taken taken the 20 wins in one season 
We did it back-to-back seasons. I'd have taken one minor premiership. We won three in four years. I'd have taken one premier. I'd have taken the one grand final against the Storm that we got smashed in. You know, we've played four of them. We've won three of them in a row, and we have the biggest comeback in grand final history. Any one bit of that, I'd have been like, I'm good forever. And we did it all. And haven't stopped. I don't want to be arrogant or anything, but... (laughs) (laughs) Pretty fucking good. Pretty damn good. I'm going to play some rap music after this, hey? I was going to say... (laughs) I have... Just have a look at Nathan Cleary's career stats so far over the last four seasons. Yeah. Just looking at his win percentage. Yeah. 2020, 90.48%. 2021, 95%. 2022, 88.24%. And this year, he's worse by far for the last four years, 77.27. He has suffered, playing for Penrith in the last four years, 10 losses. How about Stephen Crichton? He's played 100 games flat. He's played in four grand finals. He scored a try in four grand finals. And by the way, giant, huge, game-changing moment tries. Like, not one of them wasn't a, holy shit, he just changed the game try. Like, and yeah, nine days ago, he turned 23. Oh, that's fucking outrageous. 84% win rate in his career. I think Tungor hasn't lost a finals game yet in his career. He probably hasn't. Yeah, I don't think he has. Um when I looked just a few months ago, Jerome Luai had a better win percentage than fucking Cleary had. Yes, like, yes. It's remember when we used to talk about the Storm and like the win percentages of their players, and we're like, they're in the sixties. This is stupid. Yeah. And like these guys are in the fucking eighties and nineties. It's. It's next level insane. It really is. It's like it's like they're breaking all of the uh, the modern day statistical records. Like and and not by a couple of percentages. Like they're fucking shattering them. And I think that's what got me tonight. Is like in a hundred years time, people will look back and that this Panthers team will have won three straight in a hundred years from now. They'll have still won this three straight. When I'm dead, I'll, have, I'll this Panthers team will still stand out, and I'm watching it now. I'm I'm experiencing it, and I can't believe it because, as I said, these are you and me have grown up looking back at teams in the past and being like, "What must that have been like?" You know, and to have my team doing even a bit of that, like it's not the Dragons' eleven straight, which I can't even imagine. But, like, they're now close to, like, teams like that Balmain team that won, like, five, wasn't it five in a row Balmain won at once? Or, or maybe um, South it was? Or? Yeah, South did it a few times, wow. maybe twice. Like, Penrith have fucking done more than half of that. Yeah. As Just, I said, like, four, four straight grand finals and three in a row. Um, Just hasn't been done in the Southern Cap era. Yeah. Like no team's even got close to that, to be honest. Um, 
and they won't win. <laughs> That's the thing. Like you, the other team that has gone close has been the Storm when they were cheating the salary cap. Yeah. Look at the players they had. To, they had in that side. Yeah. Would this Panthers side beat that salary cap cheating side? Um, man. I mean, that team was fucking good. It was loaded. Yeah, like Inglis is an all-timer. Smith is an all-timer. Uh, Slater's an all-timer. They had Falau. <laughs> it's crazy. Their forward pack, probably not as good as Panthers, I, I dare say. Do Would you agree with that? Um, let's have a look at the, Panth- uh, the Storm's 2009 side. Hmm. Um. Billy Slater, Steve Turner, Will Chambers, Willie Isar, Anthony Quinn, Greg Inglis, Cooper Cronk, Jeff Lima, Cameron Smith, Adam Blair, when he was actually useful. Yeah. Kevin Proctor, Ryan Hoffman, Dallas Johnson, Ryan Hinchcliffe, Aiden Tolman, uh, Warangi Kupu, James Maloney was a uh, backup 5'8". <laughs> Matt Cross, Brett Finch, Brett White, Sikamanu, Dane Nielsen, Ryan Tandy turned up late. Hep Cahill. <clears throat> there was a pretty solid forward pack there. It was. With some, I suppose, re- reliable enough backup players, but they, the backup yeah. guys were never going to be starters. Yeah. Um, so there's a bit of a drop between the two, but the the spine and the and the backs are next level sort of shit there. They are. I and it, like when you've got an Inglis Smith and Slater, like you're doing something crazy. Um, yeah. I I mean, obviously we haven't we haven't got a we haven't got a Slater. And I yeah, fucking Crichton's pretty good. He's not an Inglis though. And Smith. I mean, I guess the closest we have to Smith is like a Cleary. Hey. Where it's just like, like a momentum, and it's you're like it's hard to argue with the, the resume at some point. I'm not saying yeah. it's better or anything, but it's like the resumes are really on a similar trajectory. Yeah, I think you've got to look more at, um, I suppose, personality type of sort of thing. So like for Cooper Cronk, sort of matches up better with Dylan Edwards. You know, unflappable, yeah. makes a lot of good decisions that are often right. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> yeah, Cameron Smith and Nathan Cleary, that, that's a pretty fair matchup there. Yeah. Yeah, it's a pretty hard matchup some of the others, though. There's a bit of a – you can't really compare anyone with Inglis. I th- no, no. Or no, Slater, no. for that matter. No. I mean, <laughs> the only player that a lot of people have ever been comparing to Slater was fucking Clive Churchill. Yeah. <laughs> you know, that's a pretty elite level fucking company right there. And I th- I think Greg Greg Inglis at his best, like there was a point where people were lining him, him up against a younger Meninga. And I, I think he passed Meninga for me in terms of like being, I mean, at his best, he was a, just the complete package. I guess, okay, here's a question for you. Cleary is in the standings of all-time halfbacks. And I think going into this grand final, the talk of that was fucking ridiculous, right? He's 26. But after 
what he just did and his resume on top of that, um, like, well, can we just say he's won more premierships than Andrew Johns? Yeah. Doesn't he? He has two. Yeah, two versus three. Well, let's be honest. It's one and a half that Johns has. Well, how dare you? How dare you? Hey, he only played against half the competition. That's only fair. He, I guess, you know what? He needs to do, and he's only 26, he's going to. He needs to do more at the rep level and for the test side to be up with, say, Johns and... That's that's the thing, yeah. Thurston and is that it? Is That's it pretty much all he needs to do in order to get into that conversation is to prove himself as an absolute match winner at the elite level. Because, like, I, I, I think we both feel like he's better than Kronk, yeah? Oh, yeah, yeah. And so then you go to a Peter Sterling. Yeah, I'm... I'm... Yeah, I don't know. I'm a bit. I'm a bit of a Sterling. I've got a soft spot for him, man. Yeah. Because when he when he came along, mm. he was he was playing like mid nineties football in 1980. Yeah, yeah. Like people look at him going, "How the fuck did you get here?" Yeah. And he was so insanely talented that even even the coaches didn't know where they should put him. But yeah. obviously he's a ball player. We've got to put him in the spine somewhere. But I'm pretty sure he made his debut as a fullback. Oh, really? Yeah, I'll, I'll have to check this out. But I know he did play one or two games very early on in his career at fullback. Um, a little bit like uh, Greg Alexander, right? Yeah, but I think they they were kind of unsure. Um, no, so his first game was off the bench in 1978. His second game was a, was a semi-final, and he played fullback in the semi-final wow. against against Man. And then he was five eighths the week, uh, round one of 79, and then halfback round two, four more games of five eight, and then halfback ever since. Because so they they couldn't they couldn't pigeonhole him somewhere. They went, we know you need to be around the ball. But you're not doing things that people normally do. We don't know where you fit. It's kind of like when Greg Inglis came along. Yeah. We don't know if you're a centre, a five-eighth, a fullback, and the fact that we chop and change around everywhere, and you dominate all those positions is not fucking helping us. Yeah, and I, I guess the other thing is too when you look at when Sterling first started and his contemporaries as halfbackers, like like Tommy Radonikas, a big, strong dude, because they're playing five-metre rule, you know. Yeah. Um, I mean, even Steve Mortimer, in terms of skill set, is a step back from what Sterling was. Um, and, and Mortimer was a very good player. But the the level between, say, like Sterling's skill level compared to everyone else at the time was a completely different thing and, you know, opened the door for the modern-day halfback, really. I mean, there's only genuinely two halfbacks who would would be able to make Wally Lewis take a back seat. And that was Sterling and Langer. Mm, yeah. And you've got to be in that fucking category with those two people in order to put someone like Wally Lewis to say, you know what, how's about, fella? You just take a seat back there, all right? I'll call on you when I fucking need you, yeah? 
Yeah, and, and 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 the other thing is too, by the way, a fucking Wally Lewis <laughs> being like, "Yes, this is what I want. This is your team." Yeah. Like and embraced it and knew. Like that's another thing too. See, that's the thing about Cleary. I think that we get into that area where it's like it, it becomes murky waters when it, he moves into the Sterling Langer Stewart era like area and but it's because that representative level of stuff is not quite there but he's only 26 as well and And look at the other thing too that makes it hard to to do it at the at the international level yeah is the level of competition at the international level now for australia Mm. is nowhere near as strong as it was in the 80s and 90s yes and so it's harder to stand out and come up with clutch plays when you really need them to keep a test series alive or win the Ashes or anything like that or keep in the World Cup when half the games you play, you're just built the living shit out of a team. Mm-hmm. And I guess the other thing is too, like back then, uh, the focus the focus for Australian Rugby League was in international footy and like that's been turned right down now where... I mean, international footy is behind Origin and then the Premiership these days. Um, yeah. Whereas back then, like, and I've said this before, is where the passage of time in rugby league used to be marked by international football. Exactly right. Exactly right. Um, everything was everything was designed and built towards rep football. Mm. Like we played several rounds of footy, and then we had city versus country. And that game was, from the get-go, when they first started up in the 20s as a regular feature, was about selecting the best players to play for New South Wales mm. to take on Queensland. And that game was the selection trial to find out who was going to play for Australia. It was a nice little flow the whole way through. And it was very, very rare that a player would end up playing for Australia if they hadn't played in the two um, rep games prior the city versus country and the origin game or the New South Wales Queensland game. You had to sort of come through the whole range. Um, So it was, you would genuinely earn your way up there. And it's something that I think a lot of people lose sight of when they start trying to compare, not just Cleary, but any players with past greats is past greats had to earn through club football and then two other tiers of rep football Mm-hmm. their right to have that Aussie jumper on. Whereas now you go, you can go straight from a really good club career or club season yeah. to getting a test jumper, mm. having never played any other rep footy. I mean, Chris Lawrence. Yeah. yeah. Um, and that's not to say he didn't deserve that test jumper he got. I mean, there'll be people who say that there are others that probably could have got it, but Chris Lawrence, when he became a test player, was not a shit player. Mm. He held his own and he was perfectly fine in that in that jumper. So, you know, it's it was it's a lot easier to do these days to just go straight into the test side having not played any other rep footy, whereas that was basically unheard of prior to the nineties. And and like the level we're talking about, Nathan Cleary has won a World Cup and we me and Andrew are both still like He's got to do some stuff yet, <laughs> you know, yeah. which is our, that's how high the standard is. Like Andrew Johns, how old was he when in 95 when he, like he was playing hooker and he was, was probably his, 
second season? Yeah, like, he, what was he, 21? 20? Well, look, let's be clear. Everyone's got this impression that Andrew Johns made his debut in 1994 and he scored 20-odd points on debut, and that is inherently wrong. Yeah. Because um, he played three games in 1993 all off the bench and didn't score a point in any of them mm. before he had that um, his debut game at halfback in mm. round one of 1994, but that was his fourth NRL game. Because um, I remember at the 95 World Cup when, because he was played a lot at hooker and everyone was like, what the hell are we looking at? There's this, this dude that's a young halfback who defensively is just fantastic. And he's like, if at that point someone flicked a switch and he stays at hooker for the rest of his career, He's probably the best hooker of all time. Yeah. So he made his he made his first um, first grade appearance as a hooker in the second round of the 1995 World Cup against Fiji. Mm. And then he stayed there for the next game against New Zealand and then stayed there for the final against England. Yeah, he might have got man of the match in that game too. Is that... And then I'm pretty sure the only other times he played hooker was for New South Wales. Yeah. And was it Tuvi who was the halfback? Uh, it, it would have... It was. Tuvi was halfback. Did he... But did he also play hooker to have Kamali at halfback as well at one point? Uh, sorry, what was that? Did he also play hooker so that Kamali could play halfback at one point as well? If Correct, yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Because I was pissed off about that. Yeah. Um... The crazy Duke thing is that Booker as well for New South Wales and was amazing. Yeah. Unbelievable. He also played hooker in 1998 against New Zealand so that Langer could play at halfback. Yeah. How's this, how's this for a spine? Australia mm-hmm. versus New Zealand in 1998. Darren Lockyer, Kevin Walters, Alan Langer, Andrew Johns. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? I think... <laughs> 98, was that the mid-season test? Uh, no, that was the end of season. Okay. That, was, was, that was played in played at Suncorp. Okay, because there was a mid-season test, and I feel like it was 98, but I could be wrong. I'm almost certain it was 98. And I went to their training session at Holsworthy Army Barracks. I had some inside help. And uh, it was cool. I was the only fan there. <laughs> How was that? Did you say 98? There was a like one. There was an Anzac test, but that was played at North Harbour. Okay. Well, what about 90? Was it 99 then? Uh, training in Sydney, um, and it was for the it was for the Anzac test at the time. <coughs> yeah, and, that was Stadium Australia. Okay, and Wendell Saylor. <laughs> yep. The, after the, after the training session, Wendell Saylor's out there, and he had lost, and he was saying this. Okay, so I'm just going by what Wendell Saylor was saying. He had lost a $10,000 diamond stud earring while he was training. <laughs> and they were looking for it. Jesus Christ. Yeah, and I've got a uh, footy signed by that entire side. So that was cool. Um, there's, there's a few handy 5.8s in this side for Australia. Yeah, hit me with them. Darren Locker at fullback. He's all right. Um. Future Titans 5'8", Matt Rogers was on the wing. Okay. Uh, Laurie Daly at centre. Yeah. 
Brad Fittler was at 5'8". Yeah, well. <laughs> um, Jason Smith was at lock. Wow. On the Durries. <laughs> On the Durries. Um, Andrew Johns' halfback was at, was at hooker and Alan Lang was the halfback. Fuck, that's, that's crazy. That's ridiculous. That is. That's, that's insane. And they only beat New Zealand by a converted try. Well, one of the best tests I've ever seen, and I can't remember if it was 98 or 2000, um, 98 or 99, sorry, and it was that they had a try nations at the end of the year, and I feel like it was like Australia just beat New Zealand in the final. And that I remember was a, that. It was, it was a crazy good game. It might have been 98, but I can't quite remember. But it was... Uh, it was when they'd come back together and it was like the first shot across their bow by New Zealand that they, because it was like that era where they had like Nigel Wagner in the side and um, they had some really handy players, you know, and it wasn't that era of players that would go on and beat Australia in the World Cup eventually in 2008, but it was like a, it was like a shot across the bow is the way I'd describe it. Um, yeah, 1999, New Zealand in the three games leading up. New yeah. Zealand beat Australia 24-22. Mm-hmm. Australia beat Great Britain 42-6. Mm-hmm. New Zealand beat Great Britain 26-4. And then Australia beat New Zealand 22-20 in the final. Yeah, and that's what that was the best test I had seen for many years and to, until probably the one in 2008, the, Grand, the World Cup final, which, I mean, that was... As history that moment, so it's hard to go past that. But then there's there's been so many good tests after that. Man, we're going deep diving here. I yeah, deep diving. We're doing a bit of deep diving. It's, it's a bit of a distraction to sort of mellow you out a little bit before you go down to uh, the the Penrith train station and really kick into Top Gear with the celebrations. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to train station the hell out of that train station. <laughs> Oh, so so what's what's on the uh, agenda as part of the celebrations for the next three or four months? Well, I, well, the first thing I'm going to do, I won't go out and and get amongst it because I think it'll be a bit crazy. And if I'm feeling these emotions myself, I can't imagine how the rest of the Panthers base is feeling. I'm sure that there are probably a lot of people that were getting smashed. You know, at about 60 minutes in. And so I won't probably won't go out into it, although I know Nadine might be, which will be interesting. I'll get her on this week. Um, she's probably she's probably down there starting shit. She's probably with, with Broncos fans. Yeah, just fist fighting people, you know. Yeah. Nadine loves a good knife fight. Um, but so I, I will see when they're going to do their grand final like celebration. I'm hoping it's not tomorrow morning because I I think I'll be passed out by then. I'm not going to get smashed tonight, but I'll just be, I've been so wrecked emotionally tonight. I'll probably pass out after this podcast. Um, but I, I want to go to the Panthers legs club at some point this week and just soak it all in. Um, and then we've got the tests, ma- test match series is coming up. So obviously you and me will be all over that, but I think that just enjoying what's happened and just celebrating it and I'm good. If we don't make the finals next year, I'm good, man. This has been the best ride ever as a footy 
fan and for it to be the sport I love and to be my team and stuff, if I'd watched another team do it, I would be really excited and happy for them and stuff like that. For it to be my team, uh, it makes me want to bore my eyes out again. <laughs> <laughs> well, look, this is where we uh, unveil the big surprise and next year. You're going to go for the West Tigers, and I'm going to go for Penrith. We're swapping. <laughs> uh, I, I made a tweet during the game when, when Brisbane scored those three tries in a row. Yeah, yeah. And I said, the Panthers' right edge defense looks like the West Tigers in the last 10 minutes. Is not Falumba on loan to them? I saw that. I think I favorited it high. Yes. Um, I was mourning at that point. <laughs> Well, Ben Ben Darwin, who we've had on a few times from Gainline Analytics, he replied in all honesty saying the numbers were actually pretty similar. Oh, really? So data-wise, yeah. Penrith were defending like the West Tigers in that 10-minute period. I messaged him yesterday and I was like, give me something. Basically said, give me something to work with here. I'm freaking out. And he was like, numbers aren't that different. And last year, they were different. And he was like, the numbers this year between the teams aren't that different. I was like, fuck, now I'm freaking out more. And he messaged me tonight after the game, so that was very nice. And most of the people that messaged me on Twitter have been beautiful, absolutely beautiful. There was a couple of people, and I understand completely because I felt the same way, who about the 60th minute of the match were like, <laughs> oh, man, I think you spoke too soon, hey, like, and stuff like that. And they, I completely agree. And I was thinking, shit, maybe I did. And, uh, like, but everyone's been lovely on there and so many congratulations and stuff like that. I can't take all the credit, but, like... Oh, look, I I want to take the entirety of the credit. Yeah. Because five minutes after I made that tweet... Yeah. Penrith scored their first try made the comeback, and I replied... I quote-tweeted my tweet and says... I know how to fire up the Panthers. Oh, did you? So, <laughs> I'm responsible 100% for Penrith winning that grand final. Thank You're welcome. You. Thank you. That was my gift to you for Christmas. Thank you so much. You're yeah. a lovely person. All I ask in return mm-hmm. is for you to get rid of Pasco. <laughs> the the hat-wearing dickhead. Yep. Um, pretty much all of the players who aren't NRL quality, get us an NRL premiership winning side that could win a title in the next year or two. Stay there. You basically asked me to fold your club at this point. Fuck. Yeah, yeah. Well, and just bring them back as Balmain Tigers. Just bring back Balmain. They can can play anywhere, but just call them Balmain Tigers. I don't care where they play from. I wouldn't be... There's there's a street in a suburb not far away here called Balmain Court. They could just represent that street. I don't care. That'd be be fine. I'm fine with that. Um, but yeah, I'll, I'll, I mean, I'll leave that with you. And then we'll be square. Okay, I'll, try, I'll, I'll work on that over the off-season. Yeah, I'll, I'll give you 30 or 40 decades. <laughs> so don't, you don't need to rush. <laughs> Excellent, because it's going to take some time. Yeah, look, I assume it will. Um, and another friend of ours also made a tweet saying, um, the NRL Entertainment should either be, one, a supergroup composed of the Wiggles, Jimmy Barnes, Shannon Knoll, and Harold Bishop from Neighbours on the tuba, yeah. Or two, a Rocker Stefan style performance put on by the Wooden Spoon winning team. And I said, three, the bottom two teams play off with the spoon. Tries are scored, tries scored are worth one point each, and tries conceded cost you eight points. <laughs> 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 I'm 
putting <laughs> that on. You're just taking points off every team the whole game through. It'd be like darts. That's it, yeah. You're just counting down from 501. <laughs> With, uh, by the way, how good was, and I don't know the name of the lady that was singing, but the Tina Turner performance before the game was fucking amazing. Unfortunately, I just missed it because by the oh, time I got yeah. home from work, I turned it on and I was watching the Panthers players in the dressing room. Okay. I, I, you know what I'm like about pre-game stuff. I'd fucking hate pre-game shit. Yeah. Um, I was locked in and just, she was so fucking good. She was amazing. And I watched, um, I ended up watching the, um, Kiss doing the, the AFL grand final. I listened to a lot of Kiss and a lot of Kiss live stuff that mm-hmm. night. And seriously, that Kiss performance, they were sleepwalking that. That was like a two out of 10. It was. Well- most big name bands that come over here to do either the AFL or NRL Grand Final Entertainment do tend to just phone it in. Yeah, yeah. I think twenty sixteen they had they couldn't even get all of Bon Jovi's group over. They just got Richie Sambora. <laughs> Did they? <laughs> yeah, they just turned up with a guitar and got someone else to do the singing of Bon Jovi's hits. Oh, wow. It's like really? Because yeah, I was that's it. I saw people going like, oh, Kiss was amazing. I'm like, I, I, I know Kiss. Kiss was not amazing on the day. Um, I didn't watch the game, but I did see the, the Kiss performance. And, uh, cause who wants to watch that fucking blood driver sport? Um, well, yeah. look, I can tell you that, uh, in the AFL, Brisbane lost by four points. Okay. And in the NRL, they've lost by two points. So, you know, sad times up in Queensland, but at least they still got the origin, I guess, they hang their hat on. Hey, yeah. How do you, how do you reckon the Broncos feel about losing tonight? I don't think they're going to be that disappointed. Because yeah. the first thing, if I was Kevin Models, I'd say to them is, boys, don't don't get disheartened. That team that you lost to tonight, mm. who have just won three straight premierships, mm. four years ago, they lost a green final. Yeah, yeah, 100%. And it was a similar sort of situation. Like, when we lost to the Storm... We, we fucking lost to the great Cameron Smith storm, you know? Yeah. And it also come off the back of a poor season the year before. Yes. So, and kind of like the Broncos, like they didn't have a poor season the year before, but coming into this year, no one was looking at the Broncos and saying, they're going to be in the grand final for sure. No. But people were going, you know, they're going to be in the eight somewhere, mm. but they were never taken seriously as a genuine threat. Even I was not... 100% convinced of them late into the season. Like, I wasn't saying they were, they were easy beats or they were shit or they didn't deserve to be there. Mm-hmm. It was more that there wasn't... I hadn't seen enough of them to convince me that they deserved to be that team in the top flight yeah. group until the final started. Oh. And they found that extra gear. And I was like, okay, this is a team that can threaten the Panthers. Yeah, and it, it wasn't the normal progression, it was something special they were doing. Like, it was, you know what reminded me a little bit of, and I might have said this, was the 2003 Panthers where you wondered about it, but then when they got to the finals, it was like, oh, you don't have to worry about this team. They're fucking there already. Yeah. Yeah. Um, There was a quote by Cooper Cronk during the week. Mm -hmm. He says, he feels the Broncos this year a little bit like the storm of 2006. We were all young, fast, fit, and on the cusp of something. (laughs) 
So Harvey um, Norman vouchers and free boats and I hope I hope the Broncos fans enjoyed that uh, that performance. Could be some salary cap drama coming next year. If you know what, if say the Panth say it comes out tomorrow, Panthers salary cap. I I'd, I'd be filthy, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, I would be very disappointed. I'd be um, embarrassed for the club. But everything they achieved wouldn't have left what I've enjoyed. Of course not. Yeah, it's weird. It's kind of weird. It is, yeah. yeah. Um. Well, I want to round it out with something that I found that's completely unrelated to anything. Okay. <laughs> During, for the last few months, I've been doing a lot of research on the uh, Queensland Rugby League, the results in the in their club competition up there. Yeah. And I was just going through one of the newspapers there, and underneath a bunch of banking news and you know job ads and stuff like this, there's just this random throwaway line. Mm-hmm. It's not connected to anything. They've just got two lines above it and this one line and nothing else around it. And it just says, a woman doesn't need to be a good cook to roast her husband. Oh, that's good. That's it. Yeah. Random quips in the newspapers of uh, 1912. Reminds me a little bit of, is a quote, I love watching uh, Charles Barkley. I think Charles Barkley is like a gift from heaven. And he tells a joke, um, why do you never give a woman a watch? What is that? Because there's a clock on the oven. <laughs> And he's he's saying it to take the piss out of that sort of stuff, but when he tells that on TV, Chris Webber loses his fucking <laughs> laugh, and it's so funny. Um, on a, did you see in the pre-games? I had to watch on Channel Nine. There's fucking Scotty Pippen there. I did, and like Scotty, for people that don't know, Scotty Pippen is on a fucking misery tour where he's just basically shit-talking uh, Michael Jordan for the last about 18 months. Basically, yeah. Yeah, and so to see him there instead of, like, game analysis was fucking weird. I was looking at him going, of all the people you could talk to on grand final day, a, a fuck-ton of legends who have played the game, mm. immortals the like, some of them are employees of Channel 9, mm-hmm. and say to them, what goes through your mind as you're sitting in the sheds is before you're going to come out. That sort of insight and stuff, which is a bit wanky, but it fills the time. Well, you get the players from the past, you know. We're comparing them at this stage to that great eel side of the early 80s. Sterlow's available. Yeah, 100. I was just thinking, I would love to see what Peter Sterling has to say. Have a chat with him. Yeah. <laughs> You've got his details. Yeah. Sterlow, just pop around. Right? There's a bunch of those Dragons players from the 60s and 70s, uh, 50s and 60s that are still alive. You can mm. still chat to them. Mm-hmm. You know, talk to some people who have been able to, you know, build up a bit of a bit of emphasis about what it is the Panthers are achieving here. Talk that up a bit. Mm. Scotty Pippen. And mm. the first thing he mentions is, oh, yeah, I was here watching the AFL yesterday and going, <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Thanks, was, Scotty. That was so strange and like he, like he, he's, he seems like a real miserable dude. Like when you hear some of his quotes about Michael Jordan and teammates and things like that, it's like, stop burning bridges, Scotty. You know? Yeah, I don't know. If, if I'm in a, if I'm in a uh, successful sporting organization that has 
a fucking meal ticket by the name of Michael Jordan in there. Shut up. Yeah, not not talking down. Like, you can't question what Michael Jordan did either. It's like... Watched, well, no, but I mean, it's, you know, you know <laughs> the fact that he played alongside Michael Jordan would 100% have had a massive impact on how much he got paid compared to what he would have got if he was on another team that wasn't winning titles. 100%. 100%. So, you know, just shut up and take it, you know? When he, Scotty Pippen went from the Bulls to my Rockets, right? And we called him Scotty Quitten because he (laughs) fucking shut it down. And he ended up talking shit about Charles Barkley and and fucking Hakeem Olajuwon. Like, are you serious? And he ended up getting uh, moved on to the Portland Trailblazers who were called the Jailblazers at the time. (laughs) <laughs> which were a fucking amazing team, but they were called the Jailblazers. <laughs> so there's a reason for that. Uh, all righty. Well, look. Sirens and shit. This is great. We're going we're gonna to fucking tear Penrith apart tonight. This is yeah. going to be nothing left. It's going to look like fucking Campbelltown when we're done. Next year. Yeah. So it's not going to be the Penrith Panthers. It's going to be the Ropes Creek Panthers. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All of Panthers Panthers is just going to become a massive suburb of Ropes Creek. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, shit. Well, you go and enjoy yourself. Yep. Um, Thank you you for answering the phone today when you did, and thank you for listening to me just lose my mind. That was awesome. I'm so glad that we got to share that. (laughs) Absolutely, absolutely. Likewise, likewise. Um, And, you know, one day... We might be able to have that same sort of conversation knowing that my team actually played within a few weeks of your team playing in the grand final. I want you to ring me up with the same reaction when the West Tigers make the finals. I know. Mine, mine will probably be like that, um, the, the tears and everything, when Pasco or Andor, the hat-wearing dickhead, both leave. <laughs> that, that will be my grand final victory. That'll be it. You just ring me up immediately. I've I've only ever rang up Andrew. I think that was the second time ever. Hey, on the phone directly. Um, third third time. I think we did one initially when we we're setting up the podcast. Okay. And then we spoke when we we're up in Sydney recently earlier this year. Oh, and that, then that time. That's yeah. Right. yeah. That was yeah. it. <laughs> oh shit! Fucking <laughs> hilarious, huh? Um, yeah. I, I can't believe it. I, I hope everyone um, enjoyed the game and I still can't come to terms with that game and I hope I survive. I just hope. I'm like that guy that, remember, he, he scratched the scratchy ticket and won 250 grand and then they made him recreate it and he won like another 250 grand. <laughs> I, I'm like that guy and the first thing he says is like, please don't kill me. <laughs> I'm like that. <laughs> Except you actually had a third lotto ticket that you won as well. Yeah, it's fucking... Oh, man. it's I can't believe it. I can't believe it. Ah, uh, some people have all the luck. <laughs> and it's, it's funny, though, because um, we, we keep edging towards uh, closing out this episode and then not. But uh, when you consider that the Panthers went for nigh on 20 years without even making it close to the final series, to now be a team that seems to be unable to miss a grand final. Yeah. That's quite a remarkable turnaround. What maybe, and it's I tell you what, I can't think anyone worse, but one of the worst expansion teams ever for the first what is it, fifteen years we worked out, sixteen years, something like that. Yeah. 
and then to go from that to like I remember in 2019 bragging on Twitter that we'd made a grand final in the 90s, in the noughties, and at the end of the teens. And I was like, how cool is that? <laughs> yeah. You can go back to that post and go, yeah, what the fuck would I know? People were talking shit to me as well. They were like, oh, that's nothing. We've won three grand finals in that time. You've only won two and stuff. And now everyone can shut the fuck up. <laughs> 2020 oh, year of arrogant league freak. Here it's arrogant. coming. That's right. Well, you know what? Uh, how many grand finals can you win in a row before with the arrogance is acceptable? I think three's acceptable. I think so too. Yeah. All right. Well, look on that. Uh, on that final amazing note. Um, thanks for tuning everyone to the NRL season. It doesn't end for us. Because, as Frankie said earlier in the episode, we've got a lot of international footy coming up. And we don't have an off-season, so we're not going anywhere. But, you know, enjoy your Mad Mondays. And uh, catch us all next time.